Now, this is Southern California. You should know at least that by now, right? We'll try it once again. Buenos dias, hermanos. Now, we're getting there. We're getting there. It's always a joy to come and join you folks here at uh, the Master's College for a time in the Word and a time to think about what God has uh, done for us and also to worship the Lord together. And um, I want to read to you a little little story that I was given a while back, kind of to set our um, thoughts. It's an article that appeared in the Chula Vista, California newspaper, written by Danny Dutton. He's eight years old. Given as a homework assignment by his third grade teacher, asking students to explain God. Here's what he says. He says, one of God's main jobs is making people. He makes these to put in place of the ones that die, so there'll be enough people to take care of things here on earth. He doesn't make grown-ups, just babies. I think because they are smaller and easier to make. That way he doesn't have, he doesn't have to take up his valuable time teaching them to talk and walk. He can just leave that up to mothers and fathers. I think it works out pretty good. God's second most important job is listening to prayers. An awful lot of this goes on. As some people, like preachers and things, pray other, other times besides bedtime. God doesn't have time to listen to the radio or TV on account of this. As he hears everything, not only prayers, there must be a terrible lot of noise into his ears unless he has thought of a way to turn it off. God sees everything and hears everything and is everywhere, which keeps him pretty busy. So you shouldn't, you shouldn't go wasting his time by going over your parents' head and asking for something they said you couldn't have. <laughs> atheists, atheists are people who don't believe in God. I don't think there are any in Chula Vista. At least there aren't any who come to our church. Jesus is God's son. He used to do all the hard work like walking on the water and doing miracles and trying to teach people about God who didn't want to learn. They finally got tired of, of him preaching to them and they crucified him. But he was good and kind like his father. And he told his father that they, they didn't know what they were doing and to forgive them. And God said, okay. His dad, God appreciated everything he had done and all his hard work on earth. So he told him he didn't have to go out on the road anymore. He could stay in heaven. So he did. And now he helps his dad out by listening to prayers and seeing which, seeing which things are important to God to take care of and which things he can take care of himself without having to bother God with. Like a secretary, only more important, of course. You can pray anytime you want, and they are sure to hear you because they got it worked out just uh, out so one of them is on duty all the time. You should always go to Sunday school because it makes God happy. And if there's anyone you want to make happy, it's God. Don't skip Sunday school to do something uh, you think will be more fun like going to the beach. This is wrong. And beside, 
The sun doesn't come out at the beach until noon anyway. <laughs> if you don't if you don't believe in God, besides an an atheist, you will be very lonely because your parents can't go everywhere with you like the camp, but God can. It's good to know he's around when you're scared of the dark or when you can't swim very good and you get thrown in real deep water by the big kids. But you should always think of what God can do for you. But I say, but you shouldn't always think of what God can do for you. I figure God put me here and he can take me back anytime he pleases. And that's why I believe in God. Quite insightful, isn't it? You know, putting theology in such terms to remind us of the fact that, that God put us here for a very special reason. And this morning I want to talk about why God put us here. Please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11 will be our text this morning. The Apostle Peter writes, verse 7, But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep permanence in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks, let him speak, as it were, the utterances of God. Whoever serves, let him do so as by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You know, I went to a, I went to a Christian college when I was first converted. I've been saved for a few months, and I felt God's call to my life to go into the gospel ministry. And so I went to a Christian college, and I'm a great supporter and endorser of Christian schools and Christian colleges because they do so much to strengthen our faith. And I had just been re recently hatched from the spiritual egg and had just come to faith in Christ, and I went to a Christian college. And in the school that I went to, they, they assigned us what they call Christian service assignments, where you had to go do things. Now, mindful, I had just been... I'd just been saved, had never gone to Sunday school, had never gone to Christian camp, uh, had never read the Bible, and I went to a Christian college and they gave us assignments. Kind of a school where they made you do things. And so they gave me some assignments. And one assignment was to teach third grade. And so I had a class of third grade boys, five to be exact. I'd never, had never learned how to teach a Bible lesson, had never taught uh, a, les a lesson plan. And I scared stiff. I can recall with great fear going every Sunday to teach this class, and it was 40 minutes in length. And I'd pray for I'd pray for time to pass by. And there was a little guy in third grade, and he came every Sunday and always sat at the same seat and looked at me. And he always wore a three-piece suit. And this guy must have been raised in Sunday school because he knew he knew everything. And I came af after two or three weeks, I realized that this little fellow knew the Bible backwards and forwards. And he would interrupt me and he would say, you know, uh, Mr. Montoya, that isn't right. And that isn't right. 
And you know what? He was right all the time. It wasn't right. I was teaching heresy. I don't know what I was teaching. And I used to come and I used to hate that little guy. To this day, he gives me nightmares. And he'd sit there. I recall another assignment that I received, and that was almost the same semester. There was a, a group called Open Air Campaigners. And they were, they were street preachers. And I figured, well, you know, I want to be a preacher, so sign me up for Open Air Campaigners. And I signed up for Open Air Campaigners. And I'm from a little town of, of, uh, of 10,000 10, people, 12,000 cats, 20,000 dogs, and 100,000 cockroaches. You know, it was a small little town. I'd never been to the big city. Now, I signed Open Air Campaigners. And they used to take this van downtown. About 10 of us guys would go downtown. And we'd go down and they'd open up this, this van and you'd sit out there and you'd start preaching to people. And I had never done that. I had never even spoken in public, let alone preach, preach outdoors. And you'd meet all kinds of weird animals on the street. My first encounters with homosexuals. You ever try to witness to a homosexual? It's terrifying. I, I think, let me share the gospel with you. And they get up real close. I mean, like right here. And you'd be sharing the gospel. You say, <laughs> they, they weren't interested in the gospel. Not, not in this man. Interested in this man. And they, they terrifying me. Terrifying me. And you'd weird, find all kinds of weird people. All kinds of weird people. And you know, I... But I thank God for those experiences. By the, by the end of that semester, I was a, was a regular street preacher. I get up and confront anybody. Get up and talk to all kinds of people and confront homosexuals, transvestites, and any kind of animal that crawled and came out of the gutter, whatever it was. And we, we led many, many people to Jesus Christ. But I thank God for, for an opportunity to get out and, 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 and minister and learn to share the gospel of Christ and make a difference in the lives of people. Now, I know that this particular school doesn't have those kinds of assignments. They don't make you do these things. They, they invite you to do things. They invite you to be a part of WOW. They invite you to do things. But you know, friends, sometimes we can take grace to an extent... We can even abuse grace. And we can lose out on the greatest opportunity of all time. In our text this morning, and my desire here today, is just to invite you. To invite you to consider making your life count for the Lord Jesus Christ. To taking your life and making it count. That here grace, uh, uh, this the master's, the, master's, uh, the master's college would produce an army, a great force of people that make a difference in the lives of people that are out there someplace. And not only out there for now, but wherever God takes you, whatever city it takes you, wherever you go and you're going to spend your life, that there you make your life count for the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning I want to just talk about the motives for ministry. Motives for ministry. That should I be motivated to take our lives and minister and by ministry, I mean applying the Word of God to the, to the lives of people. Applying the Word of God to the lives of people. Ministry of the Gospel. Ministry of truth. And giving it to the hearts of people. And if, uh, if, if, if you go through these four or five years, or whatever long it takes you to get through this institution, and if you miss out on ministry... 
you're going to miss out on the most exciting part of life. And I'd encourage you so to talk about the motives of people. There's five of these. Let me just chat with you this morning. Five of these great motives for ministry. The first of these is found in the text here. And that's this. That all of us have received a particular gift of God. Look at verse uh, verse 10. As each one has received a special gift. You know, God has gifted you. God has gifted you. Every one of you here that's born again, a child of God, God has gifted you. Let me ask you a question this morning. If I was to go down in the audience and put my finger in your face, like I do sometimes in our church, and I was to ask you, do you know what your particular gift is? Could you, could, could you identify your gift? Could you identify your particular gift that God has gifted you? Could you say to me, you know, Alex, I know as sure as I'm sitting here that my gift is teaching the Word of God. Or I know as sure as I'm sitting here that I have the gift of mercy. Or I'm, I'm positive beyond a shadow of a doubt that I have received this particular... Could you, could you tell me that? You see, if you cannot answer that question, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out on the purpose for your existence. You all have a major here. I hope you have a major by now. It's education or teaching or whatever the case might be, and that's great because eventually you have to declare yourself. But more important than that is to know exactly what it is that God called you to do, and what God says in this text, and not only here. But if you go to 1 Corinthians 12, in, in Romans chapter 12, in Ephesians chapter 4, again and again and again, God highlights the fact that all of us have received a special gift. It is not a natural ability. It's something God endows you with when you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior. It's not something you're born with. It's something you're born again with. God gives it to you. And it's not something you inherit from your family. It is not something that you learn at the university. It is something that God gives to you as each one has received a spiritual gift. Isn't that exciting? That God has given you salvation and has given you a purpose? I mean, that's thrilling to know that. To know that, that God has done that. You know, my daughter, she graduated last, last year from this great institution. And... Um, I want to thank the Lord that she came here because you all did a wonderful job with her. She's a special lady. And she got an assignment. And she's teaching right now in, in the city of Watts. She teaches third grade in the city of Watts. Isn't that exciting? Major war zone. You know, major war zone. They shot a guy there last week, just a few blocks from her school. I mean, talk about terror. And she's exciting. But she came home today. She says, Dad, I... I I want to be doing this for the next 30 years, teaching school for the next 30 years. You see, there are jobs, and you'll do a job. You may be a doctor, going to cut the same, cut the same, doing the same operation, slicing the guy in half, spitting him open, taking his heart out, putting another heart in, closing him up. You know, that day in and day out, day in and day out. <laughs> open your mouth, take out a tooth, put another one inside, close it up again, you know doing the same stuff, the same lesson plan. See, you do can do that for a living. But the spiritual gift serving God, hey, that thrills the soul. And you and I have that as a purpose, a spiritual purpose. See, your job may not be your spiritual purpose. Your vocation may not be your spiritual purpose. 
You have a spiritual gift, and that'll be the purpose in life. That'll be what fills your heart. Discover it. God has given you a wonderful gift. Use it. The other day I was, actually about a year ago, I was sitting, I was sitting on the steps. I'd just gone for a few miles of running. I was tired. I sat down at the steps, and I looked down, and there was, you know, when you run for a while, when you get as old as I do, you know, 29 years old, and you're, and you're old. Uh, what's so funny? And I, I was tired, and I sat there, and I looked down, and I, and, and, and I, I saw a fly, a fly move. And look again. Well, caught my, my the fly was moving, but the fly was dead. Now dead flies don't move. So I looked closer, and sure enough, it was the fly was moving because next there was a little tiny ant dragging this huge carcass across, you know, across the pavement. Poor little guy, you know, dragging this huge carcass. I'm sure he was praising God for a big kill, you know, and dragging this huge thing across, you know. And, and like every so often he'd stop and drop it and walk around, you know, walk around the place, and then he'd come back and start dragging this thing, and he'd drop it and walk around. And I thought, you know, I wonder what he's doing. Is he looking for help? There's nobody else around. Is he looking? Is he lost? What's he doing? But he came back and started dragging this carcass. You know, now, now if it was me, if I was that ant, I would have said, you know, later with this operation. I'm not going to drag this carcass all the way back to the hole. You know, there's nobody going to be helped. I'm getting out of here. That's what I would do. That's what you would do. But an ant is programmed to behave that way. He's programmed since he's created. That's his function, to take that back to the hole. That's what he's called to do. That's his purpose in life. And it's, it's good for us if we can find our purpose. Find your purpose and do that purpose. Find that purpose and do that purpose. You know what, friends? And find it and do it now. Don't wait four or five years from now. Find it and do it now. And a great motive for ministry is the fact that God has given us a wonderful gift. We need to use it and employ it. Now let me ask you a question this morning by way of application. Are you ministering your gift today? Do you have something within the next five or six days that you're going to go and share your gift with somebody? Are you? If the answer is no, you're missing out on one of the greatest, greatest thrills of your life. And I'd encourage you to find out. You might say, Alex, I don't know what my gift is. Well, then set your goal to find what your gift is and employ it in serving God. Get out there and do that. And you know what? When you find that, you will find the thrill of your life. The thrill of your life. That's why God says to us, as each one has received a special gift, He said, use it. Get busy with it. People of God, motivation for ministry number one is that we have received a special gift. Find out what it is and use it for the glory of God. Use it. There's a second, a second motive I want to share with you, and I just want to run by these so, to encourage us. And notice that it says in our text, the wonderful grace of God. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, we've been saved by the grace of God. We, we should, if for any reason we should serve Christ is because He has done so much for us, so much for us, 
And we should love Him for that. You know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have to come and, and twist anybody's arm to do service for Christ. No one should come and say it and force me to do anything for the Lord Jesus Christ. He has been so good to me. I should desire to do so. I should Remember the story of, of the lady of, of, of Jesus Christ went to visit this, the home of this Pharisee? Remember that? And the sinful lady came and she began to bathe the feet of Jesus. Remember that? And she took out her oil and perfume and began to perfume his feet and perfume his head. Remember that? Remember that beautiful story that Luke paints for us? The great artist of the God, the great artist of the Gospelers? And he paints this marvelous picture of this lady with her tears coming down and she's, she's wiping the feet of Christ and anointing his head. And the Pharisees all upset about it because this woman who is a sinner, in other words, she was a street lady. She's a prostitute. And Jesus had, had come and touched her life, perhaps in the preaching in the hillside or in the streets. She had, she had hidden behind a door and listened, listened, and the Word of God touched her life. And then she came to look for Him in deep appreciation for what Christ had done for her. And she poured out her life in thanksgiving. And Jesus said to the Pharisee, You know, he that loves, he that is forgiven little loves little, but he that is forgiven much loves much. And we shall learn to the, learn that God has forgiven us much. And therefore, we need to love much. You know, the Lord has done so much for us. He has given us so much. The Lord has, He has loved us and we need to love Him back. And friend, there should never have to be in our hearts and lives anyone pushing us and, 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 and constraining us to serve the Lord. It should come from our hearts like this lady giving out what she has for Christ being poured out, poured out for the Lord Jesus Christ. How much do you love the Lord? How much do you love Him? Do you know how much He's done for you? Has the grace of God touched your life? How much? And if the answer is much, then friend, it's no, it's a privilege, it's a joy to take your body and your soul and your life and to be spent in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes we serve because we like it. But most most we should serve because, because we love Christ. Should be out of a love for Christ. May I also point to the text before us where it says in verse 10, third motivation, as each one has received a special gift, employ it, use it in serving one another as good, notice the word, what? Stewards, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Stewardship means that God has entrusted us with something. And so a motivation for ministry is the fact that we are under obligation to God. Under obligation to God. Now, I know that God called me to preach. God called me to preach, called him into ministry many, many, well, a long time ago. Second year in, in the college, I knew he had called me to preach. And I knew that God made a mistake. I knew he, made a, he had made a big mistake in calling me to preach. Because you see, I'm a very shy person. Very, very shy. If you knew me, you knew that I'm very shy. Always have been. 
People don't believe that, but that's the truth. I have a, I, I've never spoken public. And when God said, I want you to preach the gospel, um, I want you to know that I wrestled with God. I argued with God. And I said, Lord, I can't do that. I, I recall going to the little chapel and getting on my knees before God and praying and, and crying to God and saying, God, you have made a mistake. Pick so-and-so. He's a good, he's a good speaker. Pick so-and-so. I mean, the guy has a good mouth. So-and-so, I mean, he, has, he, he can really, he can really, Lord, you've made a mistake. And God said, you know, Alex, I have not made a mistake. You better do what I told you to do. And that settled it. I'm under obligation. God said, you do it now, get on with it. Stewards, we're under obligation. See, we feel sometimes when you're under grace like we are here, that somehow it's a take it or leave it stuff. You know, oh, you know, Alex, you know, hey, if you want to do it, it's up to you. Me, I'm out of here. Me, I'm a basketball thing. Or me, I'm in, I'm in sports. Or me, you know, I'm here for some other reason. I'm not going to, you know, friend, I got news for you. You don't have that option. God has given you a stewardship. He's entrusted you with something. And if that's the case, He expects you to perform. He expects you to use your gift. He expects you to do something about it and to be about the business of serving Christ. That's why it says, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God, as faithful stewards, there is no option. There is no option. We have to do it. You see, if we're not doing it, if for some reason we are not using our gift, we are in disobedience to God. You know, you know the Bible, you know in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, when Paul is arguing about his gift of preaching the gospel. He said, if I preach the gospel willingly, I have a reward. I don't do it for money. That's not for pay that I do it. He says, if I do it willingly, I have a reward. But listen, if against my will, I have to do it anyway, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. He says, I, I don't have a choice. It's like God has me by the neck and He says, you will do it. You will do it. Friend, that's awesome. That's awesome. But we have a stewardship. See, God has given you a stewardship. He has given me a stewardship. And we need to be about the business of doing that. We're under obligation for that. As good stewards, faithful stewards. You know, that's wonderful, wonderful. It's like some of you folks have been gifted with great minds. I mean, you for you, study is no big thing. You have photographic memories, IQ of at least at least 150. You know who you are, don't you? You see, you have a stewardship. But if you're here getting C's and D's and kind of cruising by in a B minus, you're blowing your stewardship. So it is with God's gifts. God has given us gifts. We need to use them for the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, it's it's not an option. I want to say to you that we have we have a stewardship God has given you, and because of that, we need to be about the business of serving Christ. May I say also a fourth motivation for us this morning is simply this the compassion for people, serving one another. Compassion for people. If anything should move us to serve people, it should be our love for people. Our love for people. I'm concerned for us evangelicals. I'm concerned for us Christians that sometimes we become so so involved in, in, in things that we forget people. 
The love of souls should constrain us. We should love people. And the love of people should make us be about the business of serving. Do you love people? Do you care for people? Some of you come from other states. You come to beautiful Santa Clarita. But you know, this city is full of people that need Jesus Christ. Have you noticed that? They're everywhere. You just drive 20, 30 miles from this place and you find a jungle of people that need Christ. Listen, don't be afraid of them. Love them. Love these people. Don't be afraid of these people. Love these people. They're everywhere. Every weekend we should scatter all of us, scatter places to minister to people. We should go places around here that need you and have and love these people and serve the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every week we should do that. We should scatter everywhere. We just started a church in the city of Wilmington. That's the newest, newest church. Wilmington. That's a rough area. Rough area. And uh, we are going down there because people need the Lord. What I'm saying to you, friends, is people need the Lord today. Have a passion for people. California, Southern California is a rough place to be. The LA area is a rough place to be. But you know, it's an exciting place to be. I mean, I love it. I love California because there's people here. There's hundreds and thousands and millions of people and all kinds of them. Yellow, brown, black, white, and all the colors in between. It's exciting. I mean, it, this is where it's at. You want a place to be, a place for a seminary, a place for a Bible college, a place to make an impact for God. We are here. And every weekend, all of us should get out there and do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm for, I'm for intramurals. You know, you know that. I'm, I'm for sports. And I'm for basketball. And I'm for all that good stuff that college kids do. I'm for all of that. Hey, what, friend? We need to be in the business of also preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. You ought to be out there sharing Jesus Christ and the word with somebody. Not just playing with a basketball or a football or a tennis ball or a, or a, or a golf ball. You ought to be out the business of being on the ball for Jesus Christ. You with me or not? That's what we're talking about. See, some of us are trinky people. We get ourselves exercised with just stuff that doesn't make a difference in life. When deep down we should be making an impact in this great city of ours. There's some churches that are dying here. I mean, they, they're almost dead. They need you. They need you to go out and make an impact for God. Weep for these kids. They're kids that are dying just down the street from, from drug wars and overdoses. They're folks that are going away from Christ. Listen, people, we need to be about the business. Have mercy on these people. Get out and do something. Love them for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you agree with that or not? Speak to me. I forgot I wasn't I forgot that I was wasn't in my church. I'm sorry. Well, you guys made me ruin my coat here. And then let me just give it one final motivation. It's this the reward of it. A reward. Great reward. You know, there'll be a graduation someday for believers too. There is going to be one. And when that happens, friends, it'll be a great reward for us that God may be glorified. Anybody here a senior? Your seniors? Aren't you happy? In a few days, few weeks, going to be reciting your name from some platform. Huh? And graduating summa cum laude. Huh? Isn't that going to feel good? When they recite that, summa cum, 
But some of us, the only sumo we're going to have is a sumo wrestler. Nothing, no, no, what we're saying here is that, hey, there's a reward even in, in the Christian life. And praise God when you get to heaven and God said, well done, good and faithful servant. Praise God when you get to heaven and God looks at your life and you've made your life count for God. And God's not gonna, God's not gonna cons- be concerned about how much you weigh. But I, I only weigh 115 pounds, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta figure like an hourglass. Because I'm not gonna care at all with God. Because when you get to heaven, all of us have a glorified body. All of us have a perfect body. What matters today is what you do with your body. God gave you now in serving Him. That's what matters. Serve God with your life. Make it count. Do something eternally that has an eternal value to it. Because someday you'll get to heaven and that'll be what counts. What you did for Christ. Isn't that true? What you did for Christ, that's what counts. And I pray to God that every one of us on that graduation day when Jesus Christ calls our name and our number, He'll say of you, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy. As you can tell, I love ministry. I love Christ. I love to serve you. The joy of my life. I trust you have the same joy. Let us pray. It's my desire this morning to come here and to remind us today about what we have to do. And this morning as we're seated in prayer and talking to God about this. How many can say, you know, Alex, I I think I've been wasting my life here. Oh, it's academically I'm making it good, but somehow I've lost this perspective on using my life to minister to other people. And this morning, I God spoke to me. And I want to offer my I want to offer my life to God. Offer my life to God. Say to God, here, God, here's my body, here's my mind, here's my heart. And I want you to, I want you to use it. I have, you've given me a gift, and I want you to use it. This morning I offer it to you. If you can seriously say to God this morning, I offer it to you, God. I want you to stand with me, please, as you pray for dedication. I want you to stand because you desire don't stand if you don't need business, but if you need business, I want you to stand. Lord in heaven, this this morning we're here together. I, I myself standing with my brothers and sisters. Thanking you for the wonderful grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that has saved our souls from eternal death. You have loved us so much. We know that our service to you is not in payment, never has been, ever will be. But thank you that you've offered us this privilege of ministering the gospel to you. Lord Jesus, look down upon those that are standing here who this morning have been, have been touched by your word, and that, Lord, you would take them as they offer their bodies to you, a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. 
the Lord as they minister the Word of God to people here and around the world. Lord, take them, empower them, and use them in a great way. Father, as the, as the, as the fires sometimes begin to die out, fan those flames. Make us useful to the kingdom. I want to thank you again for this morning, the army of Christians that are standing here. May you make them, may you make this great institution a great beacon light, a great source of life and inspiration to us. A dying city that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. We now thank you. We ask your blessing upon every person here. For we ask these things in Jesus' precious name.